Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Well, we are going to be doing a special broadcast on U.S. President Joe Biden's visit to Israel and the Middle East. We are live if you're listening on Thursday. Sorry, Wednesday. I don't, don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. Wednesday evening right here in the Holy Land between 9 to 10 p.m. sometime. That means that we are live and you can call in. That would be, I guess, uh, about 2 I guess, yeah, like 2 to 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. That means we are live. If you have any comments or questions, you can call in. Our numbers are on the top of our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Again, this is a special broadcast we're doing. This is not my usual time to do a show. And this is going to be concentrating on U.S. President Biden's visit to Israel and the Middle East, what to expect. And our guest today is Barry Shaw. He is the International Public Diplomacy Director at the Israel Institute for Strategic Studies. His books include Fighting Hamas, BDS and Anti-Semitism, BDS for Idiots, and 1917 from Palestine to Israel. They are available on Amazon or at Stamatsky bookstores all over Israel. You can visit uh, their website at strategic-israel.org and theviewfromisrael.com. Welcome to the show, Barry Shaw. Tamar, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. All right, so where would you like to start? Israel has closed down uh, many streets in the capital city of Jerusalem, making the average citizens' lives bitter, very bitter. They can't get their cars out. Uh, they can't drive. They can't arrive at their houses so easily. And different streets are being closed at different times. Everything for the security that nothing, God forbid, should happen to uh, rock or make waves for the, for, uh, the U.S. president's trip here. So with that down, uh, our prime minister, our new prime minister, uh, Lapid, get your Lapid, has greeted the U.S. president. There's talk about that. We'll talk about that because I have what to say also. And they're taking him around doing the usual thing. So where would you like to start? I saw a lot of pre-election posturing on both sides, both the Israeli side and the American side. And Biden saw him, and the only person he reached out to among all the politicians standing there was Bibi. And he forgot protocol, Biden, and the only person he ended up shaking hands with was Benjamin Netanyahu. So Biden forgot his own COVID protocol when he bit Bibi, and he was heard saying, you know I love you, don't you, Bibi? He never, spoke, never shook hands or fisted any other of the ministers that was standing there. And that was a strange moment. Okay, but, go ahead. But talking about, on the other thing, I think also today was more uh, sort of ceremony and uh, TV moments that were made for electioneering. And I think Biden was reveling in that as well, because... Today's agenda was really ready-made 
for uh, Biden gaining the support of the Jewish Democrats, uh, certainly with regard to his visit. And it was a genuinely moving visit to Yad Vashem. Barry, I just want to repeat uh, something that I heard today, and that is that the greeting of Prime Minister Yair Lapid the present new prime minister of Israel with the U.S. president Joe Biden was a fist bump and not a handshake because they didn't want shots of that going out to the media all over the place because Biden is going to be going to Saudi Arabia. He's going to be meeting with MBS, which is Mohammed bin Salman. And that was that. So I just had to review that for you. Go ahead. Take it from there. Um, But okay. Uh, don't agree with that, but uh, we'll let it pass. But I think also, as I was saying uh, before, the technical glitch that uh, I think this show today and probably later in the week is absolutely going to be electioneering uh, by Biden for the Democrats. Um, yesterday we saw Yad Vashem, very uh, you know human and emotional thing with two Holocaust survivors, uh, and that certainly appealed to the uh, Jewish Democrats. I think what we'll be seeing later in the week will be absolutely in support of uh, the uh, the pro-Palestinians in the Democrat Party later in the week when uh, Biden takes his trip. I think it's on Friday into East Jerusalem to visit an Arab hospital. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I understand there's some, been some furious backstage arguments between uh, Israel and the uh, certainly the State Department people about this trip. Uh, it's been going on for some time, and the argument's still going on today. But apparently Biden is going to take a visit, I think it's Friday, I don't think it's tomorrow, uh, and he's going to go from his uh, hotel, King David Hotel, and take a short ride into parts of Jerusalem, where he's going to go there. The first time ever the United uh, States um, president or senior official will be going anywhere in Jerusalem unaccompanied by an Israeli official, and even probably worse, unaccompanied by a, an Israeli security attachment to him. And he's absolutely adamantly said he will be going to a hospital uh, just outside basically the walls of uh, the old city as you're going up to the um, uh, Mount of Olives uh, to visit a, 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 an Arab hospital where he will meet Palestinian officials and he'll be protected by a Palestinian Authority security team. This is in Jerusalem. There's also furious backstage arguments going on still about the insistence of the Biden administration, certainly by the, uh, the State Department officials and even by Thomas Nye, the U.S. Uh, ambassador to Israel, about opening a U.S. consulate in Jerusalem to serve the Palestinians. Um, right. And, uh, and this, it's still up in the air, but the Americans are insisting that they're going to be promising this to the Palestinians, to Mahmoud Abbas on Friday before he leaves. I just want you to realize what he's doing here, which has never been done anywhere else in the world. It's the equivalent, let's say, of President Biden 
going to Spain and insisting in opening a U.S. consulate for the Catalans in Barcelona, not Madrid. Or, let's say, going to Cyprus and opening a U.S. consulate in Nicosia, in northern Cyprus, in order to serve the Turks who have invaded uh, uh, northern Cyprus and occupied it for many years. It is, there's no precedent in the world. And we're about, I think, if I remember rightly, uh, uh, Tamar, I think it's almost precisely 37 years, is it, when Ronald Reagan made a visit to Berlin and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Right. 37 years later, just a few years after President Trump opened the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem, we have a United States president who is doing his best to divide Israel's eternal capital. Now, a, he also has an argument going on right now in advance of his visit. And I heard, only heard this this evening, by the way, so this is like breaking news. Biden is supposed to meet Mahmoud Abbas on Friday in Bethlehem. I'll talk about that in a minute. But at the moment, Biden is very upset because he wants to talk when he meets with him and also when he's at the hospital about the Biden administration's desire to open up a U.S. consulate in Jerusalem. And you know what? Mahmoud Abbas is upset with him. You know why? Because Mahmoud Abbas has been insisting that President Biden doesn't say that, but that President Biden says he acknowledges that the capital of uh, a future state of Palestine will be Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Yep. He's so, following the same track record that Obama did before him when, and, and when he was vice president himself. And the, and the other thing we should ask ourselves is, if he is going to meet Mahmoud Abbas, why isn't he going to meet with him in Ramallah? Because that's where, I understand, the Palestinian Authority Administration Center is. It's where their founding hero, Yasser Arafat, is buried. So why isn't he going to Ramallah? Why is he meeting Mahmoud Abbas in Bethlehem? Because Bethlehem is about a five or six mile drive from Jerusalem. The other thing, a point I want to make is I made it on a show the other night, uh, a Christian uh, organization in America, I'd be speaking about it. Uh, and I want your listeners to cast their mind back that when Israel controlled Bethlehem, Bethlehem was a prosperous middle-class Christian town where the majority of the population were Christian. Correct. And then after the Oslo Accord, part of our obligation was handing Bethlehem over to Yasser Arafat and his PLO people. Which were Muslim, yes. And since the Palestinians have taken over Bethlehem, they have driven out the majority of the Christians taken over their homes and their businesses. Correct. And today, Bethlehem is no longer a majority Christian town. Right. It's a historic Christian town, but the Christians have fled. Right. It's a, it's a, that's worth bearing in mind for all your listeners when they see and watch 
Biden going to Bethlehem to meet with Mahmoud Abbas because this point will not be raised. And Biden will not be demanding of Mahmoud Abbas to deal more kindly with the Christian population of any territories that is controlled by the Palestinians, whether it be controlled by Mahmoud Abbas's uh, PLO, PFLP, or by Hamas in Gaza, where again, Christians have fled or been persecuted. That's worth bearing in mind. This is true, and I and I should say it's just not just that the uh, the Christian Arabs there uh, left Bethlehem, but they needed to because they are. There was the, the Muslims, um, sadly, were raping the Christians. They were um, uh, like the mafia demanding protection money from the Christian businessmen there. They totally uh, destroyed Bethlehem and, and, and the tourism, by the way, and the tourism that they would have usually on uh, their Christmas holiday. So it's it's something to consider when you're thinking about you want to be fair, you want to give everybody freedom. Well, it's freedom for maybe the Muslim terrorists, but not for the Christians that were living there. Uh, The other point I want to make about um, Biden's uh, impending visit to this Arab hospital by the Mount of Olives is that uh, we need to watch out for this because I've been led to believe that during his visit or shortly afterwards, President Biden is going to promise the Arab hospital that uh, the United States is going to gift them with $100 million for the medical services for the Arabs of East Jerusalem. And that this money will be coming from the, this is going to be U.S. taxpayers' money. So if you've got any uh, American listeners to this show, they should be aware of this. That... um, that in fact the money will be coming from the coffers of the United States, not via the Israel, because Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, but the money will be going to the hospital from the Biden administration via the Palestinian Authority to the hospital in Jerusalem. So you can see it's another subtle or not so subtle step to put a put a Biden stamp, if you like, a Palestinian stamp inside Israel's capital, Jerusalem. Okay, so I guess the question has to be asked is, why would the Israeli government let this happen? Why do they, why are they so weak? I guess it's because we have a caretaker government led by Yaya Lapid, maybe Benny Gantz as well, who are prepared and have started to do already some major concessions to the Palestinians, including land concessions in Judea and Samaria. I would suggest, Tamar, you go and have a look at uh, the Regavim website, who is a, uh, uh, an Israeli organization for the sovereignty of uh, Jewish land in Judea and Samaria, and just see how much concessions that uh, Benny Gantz, for instance, has given to Mahmoud Abbas in his meeting, both in Benny Gantz's private home in Russia Ayn, and in a recent visit he had with Mahmoud Abbas in Ramallah, and the fact that he has been enabling in the last few weeks uh, the Palestinian Authority to construct over 4,000 homes 
for Arab Palestinians in land that is supposed to be under the full control of the civil and uh, security uh, control of Israel mm -hmm. from the Oslo Accords. And in the meantime, they were supposed to build 1,500 homes in areas that we control, but this has been frozen so as not to upset Biden before, during, or after his visit. So if you want to know some of the reasons, we have a problem with our own caretaker government right now. Yes, yes, it's, this is exactly right. It's a very, very weak government that feels that it needs... Uh you know, America's help when most, when so many people, so many countries in the world now are turning to Russia and even Iran. I think that Iran just sold drones to Russia. Even Russia's turning yes, to Iran now. Exactly. Uh, you know, yes, and, and exactly. we're still old hat, you know, looking to the, the left of sanity in, in the United States under a Joe Biden administration. And they have to understand also that Israel is, and was uh, the majority so pro-Trump that they hate Israel anyway, the Democrats. So they, they can't even score any points with them anyway. So why we are making these concessions and and bending over backwards is just uh, a mystery to so many Israelis. Can I talk about Saudi Arabia? Please. <laughs> okay. Uh, when um, Biden wraps up his visit here... Uh, and I'm waiting to see if there's something substantial. There's supposed to be a meeting taking place tomorrow morning where I really hope that Israel, maybe Benny Gantz, I don't know, certainly probably won't be uh, Yael Lapid, but maybe the chief of staff and intelligence people are going to really lay down hard on Biden with regard to the clock is ticking. We don't have time about Iran. But let's get on to talking about Saudi Arabia. Um, I want to get, pose you a question. It's like a quiz. Where do you think, tell me, where do you think that um, Biden is, is, is his uh, team are, are, are uh, bragging about? This is going to be a historic flight. It's going to be the first direct flight from Tel Aviv to Saudi Arabia ever taking. Yes. We're, and they're making uh, Biden out to be a peacemaker. Where do you think he's actually landing in Saudi Arabia? I don't know. Because I'm asking the question because it poses the, the answer poses another question. Well, the capital of Saudi Arabia is Riyadh. Correct. But he's flying to Jeddah. I was thinking Jeddah, but I... Okay, go ahead. Does it matter? Okay. <laughs> Quick show. All right. Why is he flying to Jeddah when the capital of Saudi Arabia is Riyadh? This is, if you like... The, the Arabs can be um, accommodating, but they also do things to stick it to their guest, something that Israel really doesn't do, even with a president who is doing his best to divide Jerusalem, and we meet him with, with uh, hand fists and hugs and things like that. However, you might pass your mind back a few years when Biden said, that Saudi Arabia and the crown prince are pariahs and a pariah state. Do you remember that? Yes. Uh, accusing them of all sorts of horrible human rights abuses, which, quite frankly, uh, is small talk as opposed to Iran's human rights abuses. But they want to, you know, schmooze up Iran 
you know, not to get a nuclear weapon. But I think what it is, it's the crown prince's get back at Biden. In my opinion, what the crown prince is saying to the president of the United States, you think I'm a pariah and my company is a pariah, my country is a pariah. When you give my country that sort of non-respect, do not expect to be received in, in my our capital. capital. Right. So you can come to my branch office and he knows that Biden will come wherever the crown prince wants him to come to because Biden is going there for one reason and one reason only. His only He's election. going to, to beg for oil. Ah, okay. Nothing to do with this. Oh, yeah, Israel is going to be the front. He wants to try and out-Trump Trump when it comes to a new extension of the Abram Accords. Right. But I want to tell you and your listeners, watch out for this. Whenever you hear Biden talk over the next few days, I guarantee you he will never use the expression the Abram Accords. Why? Because It'll credit that Trump. credit goes to Trump, right. Jared Kushner, BB, and other people. He will never use that expression. He will use other expressions, but not that one. And he will try to claim credit for advancing Israel's role in the Middle East. Quite frankly, Israel's role in the Middle East is extending because of Biden or in spite of Biden, let's say, particularly when it comes to even the tiny steps that Israel is taking with Saudi Arabia, because Saudi Arabia looks as if they need us. And Saudi Arabia looks at the failure of the Biden administration, both domestically and internationally, and saying, what the heck do we have to do in order to tame Iran? We can't do it with this sort of administration. And it seems that Israel is the only ones that are prepared to face up. So yeah. this is this is what and the security needs of the Arab states in in the Middle East is increasingly tied up with the sophistication and the innovation and the successes and the strength that Israel is forced to display in the problems we have in the Middle East. And that is what's been making Saudi Arabia creep closer to Israel. Yeah, and I want to add something to that, Barry, because because of the Abraham Accords and the UAE was one of the first ones in there uh, making this, uh, you know, normalizing relations with Israel, etc., etc. They have benefited greatly. Israel has also benefited from this, but the UAE has and Saudi Arabia, if they don't get in soon to be friends with Israel and start normalizing relations with us, they, Saudi Arabia, are going to lose a lot as Israelis and uh, and uh, the Arabs in the UAE start doing business deal together and Saudi Arabia is left out and too late. They were too late at the party. So that's another thing I wanted to say. Go ahead. I, uh, I can tell you, on the other hand, on very good authority, and I've known about it for a long time, for way over a decade, more than a decade, Israel has been doing business on the sly with Saudi Arabia to a large extent. There are huge amounts of Israeli products, science, technology, other things in Saudi Arabia, 
but they don't have Made in Israel labels on. This has been going on covertly for over a decade and a half already between Israel and Saudi Arabia, although Israel won't admit it, and neither will Saudi Arabia until sometime later on when we have more mobilization, and then we, people will find out that, in fact, business ties has been going on uh, between Israel military industries, Israel science industries, and, Israel Yeah, the cooperation will completely widen. For many, many years. Right. But I'm just saying that also that's on maybe perhaps governmental levels, but it'll completely widen in other aspects and businesses of the common citizens who are going to now invest and do deals and et cetera, et cetera. So very interesting yeah. what you brought up. All right. And so, uh, with the, the, uh, trip here, Again, like you said, this is kind of like uh, adding to his election campaign, trying to show Biden as not just uh, a domestic failure. Oops, did I say that? Uh, but also as someone who can be made perhaps a statesman and and respected around the world internationally. That's what they're trying to promote here. Uh, do you want to say one last word on all of that and what people yeah. should expect? Basically, I think what we're seeing at the end of the day is we're seeing two separate leaders, one the American leader, the Democrat leader coming over here, and we've got also people like Yaya Lapid, and they're both before elections. And according to the polls in both countries, both of them are going to lose. Um, so I'm looking for something, what we say in Hebrew, tachless over here. And I don't believe that Biden or Blinken are the sort of people who can deliver to Israel what we need in order to seriously deal with the Iranian threat. And, how and do, that is, I just want to ask you, how do you see the Iranians' uh, view on this and what is happening? The Iranians are laughing, um, as they've seen, a very weak uh, American administration, both domestically and internationally, as you mentioned quite rightly. Uh, Iran is doing a deal right now with Putin in order that Putin is going to meet um, in a few days' time with the Iranian leader, Ibrahim Raisi, and Iran are going to supply the Russian army with deadly drones, which I'm sure we'll see in a, within a two or three months, Putin using, for instance, in Ukraine. Uh, and also... Um, the other ne'er-do-well character in the Middle East is uh, Putin and uh, Ibrahim Raisi. The Iranians are going to be joined by Erdogan of Turkey, the one who seems to be sucking up to Israel right now. And I hope Israel isn't going to be a sucker in being uh, allowed to be sucked up by Turkey because Erdogan, you could never trust him. He's a viper uh, and, it, and Israel should keep its distance from them. But quite frankly... Uh, Iran is playing with, uh, with the Americans over the Iran deal, and Israel knows it, and Israel is alarmed, and Israel needs certain things from America in order to do what Israel needs to do. That's not boots in the ground. And I don't know what's going on backdoor between uh, backdoor talks between uh, the people in charge over here and the people in charge in America. But so far, I don't believe that America is being prepared to give us what we need to do the job properly in Iran. And the clock is ticking. So what do you see? 
because everything we see in the meantime with regard to Biden is stage play and electioneering and nothing really deep is going to come of it. Biden has been pushing and he mentioned it again today, he'll probably make it, mention it tomorrow on Friday, that he's been pushing a two-state non-solution for close on 50 years, ever since he was a senator. And he doesn't realize that the two-state solution is a dead camel, died of thirst in the desert of the unreliable shifting sands of the Arabs here in the Middle East. And yet he's still pushing it because he can visualize in his fevered mind a distant mirage which has the shimmering sign of peace in the distance and he thinks it's an oasis. It simply doesn't exist. And if you want any peace solution, there's going to be a completely new, novel way of doing peace. And it may not be, it certainly won't be uh, Palestine with Jerusalem as its capital. Right. And they can take their, uh, you know, take the formula of what we're seeing now with the Abraham Accords. Peace for peace. But they, they could do it that way, although the one that I've been involved in lately with uh, some other organizations that are uh, just reminding people, if you go back to the, um, I don't want to go into history here, but if you go back to the San Remo Court and the League of Nations, uh, what was originally designated as Arab Palestine was what we call Jordan today. That should have brought uh, the Palestine... The, the, the original Palestine was supposed to be the whole of Israel and where Jordan is today. Right. Just look in the record books Correct. and the history books, right? Yes. And Churchill and others decided, okay, British have the mandate, we know we're obligated, but we're going to give this to Faisal because that's where Arab Palestine should be. So Jordan, let's be honest, it's Palestine. It's Arab Palestine. Look on your maps. Go back in your history. Go through the legitimacy of uh, the state of Israel and the legitimacy of what would happen after the League of Nations. And what happens in, in Jordan? The Jordanian king represents 10% of the population, the Hashemites. 80% of people living in Jordan are Palestinian. The queen of Jordan, for heaven's sake, is a Palestinian. And yet the people who push the Palestinian message don't mention that. I say to people listening to this who support the Palestinians, you support the Palestinians, why aren't you promoting Jordan as Palestine? They have a, seem to have a more civilized leader than they have in Ramallah or in Gaza. So let's start with that one. How's that for a novel idea? How's this and for yet, a novel idea? And yet the world has been treating the King Abdullah of Jordan as if he's a saint. He's barely 10% of the Jordanian population. He's not a god. Go yeah. back in the history books and you find that this is legitimately Arab Palestine, east of the Jordan River. I, I, I would go even further. I know this is going to sound rather extreme, but Bible-believing people know that J the modern state of Jordan is actually part of... Israel, meaning that the tribe of Reuven, God, and half of Manasseh settled there. That was Jewish land. And in the end yeah. of days, when the Messiah comes and all of the land of Israel is returned under the auspices of the Jewish people as God had given them and allowed them, uh, it is actually Jewish land. But go ahead. 
Yeah, no, okay, yeah, I've said that. That's fine. Okay, good. So I'm part of Judea Samaria. So it goes back thousand, three thousand years. Awesome. But at the same time, yes. you know, awesome. if you want to be pragmatic and use what's called modern legitimacy in international law and treaties, that is Arab Palestine. So let me. And, and, and who were the Hashemites? The Hashemites, at that time of the turn of the century, at that time, were controlling Mecca and Medina. That's where the Hashemites came from. Right. They replanted they got them. Out of into, there, both by right. the Ottomans and later by the Saudis. And as a consolation prize, they got Transjordan, they got Syria, and they got Iraq. King Faisal was made a king of Iraq before he reneged that title and went back to being uh, in charge of Transjordan. So that was all agreed, like all the other treaties, all the other mandates. You know, people don't argue about Syria or Lebanon or Iraq anymore, despite the Kurds and uh, uh, not being being dispossessed or whatever. Who cries for the Kurds anymore? Nobody. But I went through a completely different story. It's nothing to do with Biden. So when he talks about the two-state solution, he also forgets it's really a three-state solution because Mahmoud Abbas in Ramallah and the PLO-PFLP aren't really talking with Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad in the Gaza Strip. So you have a divided Palestinian, so you've got two states there and you've got Israel as well. So Biden's two-state solution is really a three-state solution. So, <laughs> in order to start start wrapping things up, would yeah. you say that this trip by U.S. President Biden is going to be looked at as a success, at least to his people, to his voters? Or do you think he's not going to even be able to pull that off? Well, I don't know if you know, but uh, just before Biden got off Air Force One and he landed in Ben-Gurion Airport, he got some very bad news because uh, just as the plane was landing, he got news that uh, the inflation in America has gone now to 9.1%, which is the highest it's ever been for 40 years. That's under the Biden administration. And one of the reasons it's so high is because on day one, because Biden and his administration is so anti-Trump, he signed an executive order and closed the Keystone Pipeline and closed down all the drilling that was going on in America for oil. America at that time was self-sufficient. It was an oil exporter. And now we're seeing this week he's going to go to Jeddah, which is the Crown Prince's branch office, to go begging for Saudi Arabia to give America oil to stop the inflation going up even to 10%. So a total failure, and simply because he took everything that was right about the Biden, uh, the, the, the Trump administration, whether it's doing with oil energy independence, being a strong country, being an independent company, secure borders, treat your enemies toughly and treat your, treat your friends close to you and keep look after them. Biden has done completely the opposite. And keep he's your enemies closer. And he's going to be a lame duck president after November. Well, I wish uh, everybody should have prosperity and peace and justice and truth and and all the blessings. Uh, I, I think I kind of have the feeling, I'm, I'm sure that 
I would imagine other Israelis have this feeling as well that this is all kind of like a show and not a very powerful one at that. And and for our own elections that are coming up this November, uh, it's so lackluster. I think it's just the same politicians and parties regurgitated and recycled. There's nothing new. Nothing new. It's just the same old, same old. And I think that a lot of people aren't, aren't uh, even going to be in, inspired to go and take their day off to even go vote. Should I make a prediction to end the show with? Ooh, please do. That We always like that. And this is going to force you to have me back on when we come to November, where not only will we be having the elections in America, but over here. What America is suffering from there, we're starting to suffer from here. And the deciding factor in the Israeli elections come November is going to be the same in America. It's inflation. And the Israelis are starting to feel it. The rising prices of food, the rising prices of gas, the, uh, the uh, petrol stations, yes. the rising price, the cost of uh, electricity, the rising prices of mortgages and everything. The Israelis are going to be suffering come November and they're going to take it out on somebody. And and who do you think they're going to take that out on? They're going to blame it on the uh, last and the current caretaker government. Well, we'll see. I, I don't know if Bibi is the answer either, you know, because Bibi just, uh, he was for a long time the prime minister and many of the problems that we're suffering from today was under his, I mean, Bibi's done some good things, but also he's he's been lackluster and, and very ineffective yeah. and even damaging yeah. other things because we got to the situation under the last 10 years of Bibi. This, this, this new government has only lasted, what, like it has been like a year, a year and a half at most? Yeah. So yeah, you can't blame everything on this, you know, weak uh, I, anybody I, I but Bibi. I tend to agree. The Israeli, uh, pop, uh, the Israeli exodus is, is really uh, divided. Uh, they need a strong leader. But I mentioned at the show uh, at the time of the last elections or afterwards that uh, actually Bibi was really caught with his own hubris, and we're seeing this in the the, the, the trial that's going on and the the witness now. Uh, regarding the with this thing about the demand for gifts of champagne and cigars and 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 jewelry from uh, Bibi and his wife Sarah has uh, has been thrown back in our faces again. It's reminded us what we found it so disgusting with the the behaviour that you know that America has an advantage to uh, against us. They have two parties basically: the Democrats and the Republicans. We're suffering from an overgloat of, of parties. We have about 30 parties or whatever. And they're talking about lowering the threshold, not raising the threshold, which means we could end up more parties in a coalition. Uh, and that's not good for democracy either. All right. Well, so this has been a bit of a summary of what's been going down here in the Middle East. Barry, is there anything yeah. else you want to add before we wrap it up? No, we'll see. Maybe something's going to happen over the next two or three days, which is going to surprise me. You're going to drag me on the show and say, well, you were wrong. What about this? You know, but uh, I doubt it. Um, I tend to be, I'm sorry, I tend to be cynical these days. Okay, so it's a basic yawn, this trip from the U.S. president into Israel, and a major headache for people who are living in the city of Jerusalem, the capital city, with all the road closures and all the security for him and the concessions that our weak government has been making. So, you know, 
all in all, I would put a thumbs down on this visit. That's my opinion. You're entitled to your own opinion, everybody. Um, and if you would like to write in, you feel free. I, I can't answer every email, but I do read them. So you can write us at, uh, you can write me at Tamar at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And if you have anything for Barry, you can uh, write him directly as well. And you can go to his website again at TheViewFromIsrael.com. Barry, want a last word? Thank you for having me. I'm sorry to be sound a bit more depressing today. I wish I was more optimistic. Well, maybe something's going to happen in the last few days that's going to surprise us. Perhaps, perhaps. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for being with us. Thank you, Tamara. Be well. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Torres from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 